I'm Hillary. I'm Emily. And, and we're, we're the, the sirens. sirens. We watched Summertime, a 1955 British-American romance directed by David Lean, starring Katherine Hepburn and Rosano Brazzi, and based on the play The Time of the Cuckoo by Arthur Lawrence. In it, Jane Hudson, a middle-aged American woman, takes her dream trip to Venice, which she has saved for for years as a teacher. While traveling solo, she feels lonely and longs for romance when she meets a handsome Italian man, and they are strongly drawn to each other. He pursues her and they become involved until she learns that he is actually married. She must decide whether or not to continue the relationship or forgo her chance at love. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's pretty much it. Wouldn't you say lots of beautiful footage of, of Venice yeah. ensues? Yeah. I was gonna say the other like co star of this movie is um, the city of Venice. The version I watched of this movie was the Criterion Collection, mm, mm-hmm. and my friend I was watching with was like, why was this in the Criterion Collection? But it was all just about, like, the way that it was filmed, and the shots, and oh. the city of Venice. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, we can talk more about that. Yeah. Do you have, do you have trivia? Uh, I do, yes. Yeah. So, this one I just picked for you uh roberto rossellini yes. wanted to make this movie with ingrid bergman in the lead uh-huh. which is not what ended up happening no. but i could see her doing this movie but i think she would have been less, like less teary less teary and less awkward and more glamorous like i would have had a hard time being like this is a like you know ungainly spinster <laughs> <laughs> Although even even with Catherine Hepburn, I'm like the the premise that she that no one has fallen in love with Catherine Hepburn. I mean, we should talk about this, but yeah. that uh, like I have a hard time believing it. But whatever. <laughs> with those ankles, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Italian government officials initially resisted David Lean's request to film on location in Venice during the summer, which is their like big tourist season. Mm. Um, and the gondolieri were concerned that they would lose income and threatened to go on strike, which we know is a great Italian tradition. Uh-huh. But um, the United Artists made a donation to the fund established to finance the restoration of St. Mark's Basilica, and suddenly all of the problems went away. <laughs> they were allowed to film there. A little um, money to grease the wheels, never hurt anything. Yeah, a little quid pro quo. And <laughs> he was also required to promise the Cardinal that no short dresses or bare arms would be seen in or near the city's holy sites, which I thought might have explained some of the wardrobe choices oh, yeah. for this movie. Um, but I just thought that was very funny because that's still the way the bureaucratic Italian government works in a lot of areas of the country now. Yeah. Um, so this was kind of a sad one. Worried about her health, Catherine Hepburn did not want to do the stunt where she falls into the canal, but David Lean insisted because he thought it would be too obvious if they used a stunt double. Mm-hmm. He filled the water with disinfectant and made her film the fall four times. Oh my gosh. And then that night, one of her eyes started itching and she was 
diagnosed with a rare form of conjunctivitis that plagued her for the rest of her life. Oh my gosh. I know. So she was right to not want to do it. And I have heard that that water in Venice is really disgusting. Yeah. And you could, I mean, in one of the, early in the movie, you see people just like throwing their garbage into it and stuff. Yeah. David Lean had such a positive experience filming in Venice that he lived there part time for the rest of his life. Oh. And he said that this was his favorite movie that he ever made. Did he have to keep uh, donating money to um, <laughs> the Basilica Restoration Fund? I mean, probably, just to stay in the good graces. Yeah. So the movie didn't pass code because of its depiction of adultery. Uh-huh. And of particular concern was the scene in which Jane and Renato consummate their relationship. With fireworks? So they had to... Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had to delete 18 feet of footage... And then the PCA granted its approval, but the National Catholic League of Decency still objected because there was a line of dialogue they had a problem with, which I read had to do with using the word like beefsteak. And, um, yes. Why, and yes. The line is why settle for ravioli when, or settle for ravioli if you can't get beefsteak? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, beefsteak. Very offensive. <laughs> so they had to cut that line, and then it got a B rating, designating it, quote, morally objectionable in part. And then finally, Jane paid 10,000 lire for the Red Goblet, and that would have been about $16 in 1955. I was trying to wow. think in my head, I was like, all right, so there were euros, and then how many lire are in a euro? And, but I could not do it. I was like, I think that's not that much money. Yeah. So, yes, there there we have it. And um, so who did you bio for this movie? Um, I looked up um, Issa Miranda, who played the woman who owns the pensionaire, pensionario, or I don't know even really how you say that in, um, in English, the place where um, Jane stays uh, in Venice. Um, okay, she. I thought she was very beautiful. I read some trivia about her too that was not very flattering. No, um, <laughs> yeah. So Issa Miranda was born Inez Isabella San Pietro uh, uh, in July 1909, so anniversary month of her birth. Um, she worked first as a typist while she was attending the um, film school in Milan, and where she was training as a stage actress. She played some bit parts in Italian films in Rome first um, and changed her name pretty early on to Issa Miranda. She found success first with a Max Olfus film, uh, La Signora di Tutti, which is in English is Everybody's Woman, uh, which came out in 1934. And interestingly enough, she, she played in that movie a, fil a famous film star uh, with whom men cannot help falling in love, which I thought was an interesting a juxtaposition to um, this movie. She, it was this movie that like was her breakout role that brought her some uh, offers for Hollywood contracts. Um, Hollywood generally billed her as the Italian Marlena Dietrich, and she subsequently played several femme fatale roles in movies like Hotel Imperial and Adventure in Diamonds. She returned to Italy soon after the outbreak of World War II and continued her career both on stage and screen. She starred in 1949 in the movie The Walls of Malapaga, which won an Academy Award for the Most Outstanding Foreign Language Film of 1950. 
And she also, for that role, won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. She, over the course of her career, she worked uh, in France and Germany, Great Britain, as well as in the U.S. And she, I didn't realize this, but she also was in a lot of TV films, including The Avengers. Oh. People may recognize her from that. She was married to an Italian director named Alfredo Guarini until his death in 1981, and she died in Rome in 1982, three days after her 73rd birthday. If I, in this movie, I thought she seemed very, like, glamorous. Mm-hmm. I actually liked her clothes the best. Yes, <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. But I read that they thought that she looked too young for the role, but I thought, what you know, just because she's a widow doesn't mean she has to be old. Yeah, that's funny. She, I mean, she was, what, in her 40s in this movie? So yeah. Like, that's old enough to be a widow, unfortunately. So Yeah, I mean, you could be a widow in your 20s. <laughs> and this was, you know, not crazy long after the war, so. Yeah. You know, she could have been a war widow. You know, anyway. So, yeah, that, that was interesting about her. Yeah, I I read, and I don't know if this is true, that she had gotten a facelift right before the movie. Oh. Um, yeah. I can so, see that. But, yeah. <laughs> so, was this your first time watching Summertime? It was. And I have to say, I didn't realize how, like, well-known this movie was um, <laughs> before I watched it. We were sitting around at the, the dinner table and... Um, and Jen and my mother-in-law both were like, oh, yeah, summertime. I was like, I guess I'm the last person in the world to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. What, I mean, that's a very, you, that's a very specific sample. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't, it doesn't feel to me like the kind of movie where it's like, oh, yeah, well, Casablanca or something that everyone knows. Yeah. But it is, like, once you see it, you can kind of understand i maybe even like the world of people who are like into film mm-hmm. it's well known and you'd seen it before right yes i had a long time ago i think when i was like a teenager and just along the lines of like it's a katherine hepper movie <laughs> so of course i'm gonna watch it <laughs> um but it watching it this time so i definitely forgot some of the particulars mm-hmm. of it and watching it this time, I had, like, a totally different read on it than when I was a teenager, <laughs> which is... When I was a teenager, I thought it was very romantic, uh-huh. that they weren't really supposed to be together, but then they could, and that it was, like, a doomed romance and, and all of that. And, like, this time around, I was kind of like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, I was not... A huge fan of the way he conducted himself. Yeah. Um, just, I think particularly the fact that he didn't tell her he was married mm-hmm. to begin with. Like, you know, setting aside the American view on adultery for the most part as negative. Even setting that aside, like, just be upfront in the yeah. beginning so she could make an informed decision. Yeah. And also, I thought it was super gross the way he sent his son to tell her that he was going to be late. And, like, so he was, like, sending his son to send a message to his... Mistress. Mistress. Yeah. And, yeah, not cool. And uh, Mike also watched this with me, and he was just like, it's the Italian way. (laughs) The Italian men, like, pass on their, (laughs) like, adulterous ways to them. Like, of course my son will know that I have a mistress, because one day he will have a mistress, and it is the way of the world. (laughs) And... 
<laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. That, I mean, I felt differently about it. I also just thought, I mean, and I'm assuming Catherine Hepburn played the role this way on purpose, but she just came across as very awkward. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's one of the only times I've seen her in a movie where I was kind of like, get it together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I made a note that she just seems so fragile and shy and frantic and I just wanted to like like my instinct was to like want to reach through the screen and like give this woman a hug and like be her traveling companion so she wasn't so lonely and also you know bring her into 2021 where she had to have better access to like therapy Um, yeah Yeah, I mean, that was the thing that it seemed very tragic to me that she had saved up for all of these years to do this trip. It seemed like she had a sadness about her that she had never really experienced love or or whatever. But like she saved up for all that time and then she actually got there and it was gorgeous and she kind of, she was staying at this cool place and it seemed like she was just too like held back by her own Mm -hmm. feelings of being alone and lonely to really enjoy because I was I mean this was 1955 because when I was thinking about it I was like how terrible would it really be to be like sitting at a cafe by yourself in 1955 as like a woman in Italy maybe it would yeah but um you would still have the whole day to be like going to museums or like you know, going, to, I don't know, like to the Coliseum or whatever you, not the Coliseum, that's in Rome, but yeah. <laughs> you know, you could be touring sites and like, if your nights weren't that great, who cares? Yeah. Well, and I also wondered, I wanted to know a little bit more like backstory about her because like, you know, I also, I was like, doesn't she have any friends back in Akron, Ohio who could have come on this trip with her? Like, I know that like, it was maybe relatively rare for someone to be you know, for a woman to be single in 19, you know, 55 or whatever. But, like, surely she had friends. Like, she wasn't, like, completely alone. That was the thing. It seemed like she kind of had no... I mean, I think probably on purpose they made the story really simple. But I was curious about her background and, like, what her... Like, did she have any family at home or... You know, was her whole life really sad or was it just that she had built up this trip in her head? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it was that, that it was like she had built up the trip in her head. So there was even, it was more uh, dramatic than it probably needed to be. Yeah. I mean, the the story could have, it was actually less tragic in a way than it could have been. I mean, the guy was married, but um, at least the way it was portrayed, he actually did have feelings for her and care about her. Whereas I think a more realistic storyline would have been that he kind of just took advantage of her yeah um yeah which is like i forget have you been to italy i don't remember but i have been just over the border from france into italy so i have not like visited any of the like major sites oh because even the way it is now at least in like bigger cities if you're just Italian men can be like they're just like very aggressive like if you were an American woman and you're like a tourist in Italy and you're just walking around it you're just gonna get like catcalled and harassed and if you you know the Italian women do not respond at all to that but like if a tourist shows any interest like that would be it and you could like (laughs) you you know that it could be the start of something and I think there's a lot of situations where people take advantage of that whereas Mm -hmm. in this 
story that they actually did seem to have a romantic connection. Now, she said she loved him. Did he ever say he loved her? I don't know if he said that in in those exact words, but he said, like, multiple times, like, I care about you. You know, we have the spark, you know, that we shouldn't just, like, ignore. But I don't so, know if he and, said it in so many words. What did you think about that? Like, did you think that that was... I, like, there was part of me that kind of admired that she was just like, all right, I'm gonna have this love. Like, I haven't had any love. I like this guy. I'm gonna just experience this and then, like, leave while it's still good and I'll have had that and like just move on or did you think she would have been better off just rebuffing him altogether i don't i can imagine that this would have been hard to do in like real life but like you know i i wish that she had said like hey leave me alone and then you know like this is never gonna work out leave me alone and then like she picked up and went from venice to like milan or you know somewhere else where she could you know, like, enjoy the rest of her vacation instead of being like, yeah, I'm, I'm going home three days into her, like, dream vacation. Like, I wish that she had stood up for herself a little bit more. That's true. It's like, why did she... I mean, she could have just been like, I'm going to another city now. <laughs> like, bye. Mm-hmm. She didn't... Like, she initially was sort of shocked about the fact that he was married and then also that Signora Fieri was having that affair with the painter, too. Yeah. It was sort of like... The American puritanical sensibilities were, like, very shocked. But she got over it super quickly. Like, she was just like, all right, I'm going to go go through with this. Yeah. It didn't seem to be something that she agonized over. You know, they, she says she's from Akron, Ohio. And so she's not only American, but she's a Midwesterner. And I wondered if that was just, like, a way to be, like, you know, <laughs> to, like, double down on the green you know, puritanical, like, rubeness, so that, so it was even, like, a starker contrast to the, um, the Italian way of, like, looking at the world. Yeah, if she had been from, like, New York City, she would have been perhaps a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, she could have also just been like, look, I'm not shocked about this, but also this isn't what I want, so. Right. Totally. Bye. And you lied to me. So was... And you lied to me. I mean, um, I guess if the premise is that she's never been in love, she has had no practice in standing up for herself in that way. So I guess, like, she would be shocked and, like, dismayed and, like, not really know how to, like, handle handle herself in the situation. But Yeah, the whole way that she acted, like, even when they were together, felt to me like a 14-year-old girl. Like, totally. she was, like, yeah. very shy and, like, uncomfortable in a lot of ways. And then, like... It, they literally kissed one time, and then she said, I love you, and ran away. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, so. are you are you 15, or are you... <laughs> well, and then there's this line, like, that she says at the towards the beginning of the... There's this exchange she has with the pension owner, um, where, um, like, she's telling a story about herself, and she refers to herself as a girl. And then and she says, in America, every woman under 50 calls herself a girl. Issa Miranda's character says, and after 50... And Jane says, and after 50, who cares? And to me, that read, like, as a, you know, nobody cares about women, you know, over 50 as kind of a way of, like, saying, you know, women over 50 have, like, a, like, potentially, like, they can just do whatever they want because people don't pay any attention to them. And so I I read that as her, like, sort of, like, seeing, like, herself as kind of, like, an independent woman, even if she's not quite over 50. 
And then, but that, like, didn't seem to hold true in the rest of the movie. She didn't really seem to see herself as an independent woman. Yeah, it definitely felt like in the beginning of the movie, she was putting up a front that she was like, oh, yeah, like, I take care of myself and, like, trying to seem um, like she was totally okay with traveling alone and everything. And then it only took a little bit of time with her being by herself for her to get really emotional. And, the oh, the... One scene was so painful where she tried to see if she could go with the artist and his wife. Oh, yeah. And they blew her off. I thought that was so mean. I was like, just take her. (laughs) Yeah. And then that guy ended up being a jerk anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the other thing with this movie is there was like a huge double standard with the men. Because even when she's having the conversation with her lover and he says well my wife and I are separated which she really does she doesn't know what the deal is there and then she asks him like does your wife also have other like friends and he gets all offended like no she wouldn't have other friends but he's allowed to and it's kind of the same with the painter like he has someone on the side too Mm -hmm. but the women are kind of like their options are limited and mm-hmm. they just kind of have to say, am I going to take this less than ideal romantic situation or am I going to take nothing? Am I <laughs> so going to have the ravioli when I can't get the beefsteak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, honestly, I would take the ravioli. I mean, like, if if we're talking literally, I would take the ravioli over the beefsteak. Yes. <laughs> Um, ravioli is good all the time. I mean, and ravioli in Italy, come on. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that it felt like the women all kind of got short shrift yes. in this movie. And th- like, I, I still, in Italian culture, there still is today, like that machismo, you know, men get away with one thing and everyone says, well, that's just how they are. Like, that's still a thing that mm-hmm. I... <laughs> I experience um, mm-hmm. in my extended family that it's like, well, he's a man and that's, you know, bad behavior is just excused because they're men. Women clean up the pieces and hold everything together. Yeah. Well, it's reminding me of the movie Marty where yeah. he's like the not at all this kind of man, not at all this like like macho man. And because of that, well, I don't know if it's because of that, but, um, you know, he, he hasn't met a woman, you know, and he's, you know, 30 or whatever in the ripe old age of 30 and hasn't, isn't married. And, you know, his Italian family is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the, it, it's interesting because. even though that was like the way then it seems like now in Italy people are getting married much later because there are just so few jobs Mm -hmm. that like people aren't stable enough to get married until they're you know more like mid to late 30s because they can't afford to move out and like (laughs) you know so I think that part at least is changing yeah well did this movie make you want to go to Venice yes yes this movie made me want to go visit Italy which like to be honest Italy has been one of those countries that is like 
It's not on the top of my list. If someone was like, hey, do you want to go to Italy? Like if my family was like, hey, let's let's have a like a take a family trip to Italy. I'd be like, OK, fine. But it, like it wouldn't it's not like on the top of my list. But this movie pushed it up higher. It's like, oh, no, I would love to go visit Italy <laughs> and walk, walk around and get on the. And not just walk around, but like actually get in the can, like in a boat in the canal and you know ride around. Yeah, that's how I felt too. It I I had actually heard from people who've been there that that <laughs> don't come for me like Italian tourist people, <laughs> but like I had heard that Venice was kind of overrated mm. and that it's just kind of like stinky and dirty mm-hmm. from like you know friends who had studied there and stuff. And and everyone was like, oh, don't you you don't need to go there. Like, go to Florence. Florence is the place. And then after seeing this movie, I was like, I am going to Venice. Like, <laughs> I don't care what you people say. Like, this is I'm go. It's just it looks so beautiful. I I have to go. Um, but I feel like you in that, you know, I've been to Italy twice, and I'm like, am I re- like should I see other places? I mean, no one's traveling anywhere now because yeah. <laughs> There's a global pandemic, but eventually I do want to go back and see it there. Yeah. Um, so did you like how they had the scene, like, in you know, I guess they cut out that sex scene where they finally get together and then they just had, like, soaring Italian music and fireworks, and fireworks. instead? Yeah, I was like, this is some um, heavy-handed uh, symbolism. <laughs> Yeah, did it remind you of, like, in other movies where they're like, the train is going through the tunnel now? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very, um, I just have to say that I hope that those were Jane's fireworks and not just, uh, what's his name's fireworks? Yeah. Some I, mutual fireworks. I don't know, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. Yeah, I'm skeptical. <laughs> well, so, oh, so we didn't talk at all yet about Morrow, the street urchin boy. Oh yeah, boy. yes, um, yeah. If we hadn't, if we didn't talk about it before we got to the social justice segment, uh, I was definitely going to bring him up then because he seemed like he he seemed like he was a like he he knew what he was doing, and then he for some reason, well, and I guess in this situation, Jane like didn't let herself get swindled by this like small child who like clearly was street smart. She was smart enough to not get swindled by him. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, she wasn't, but she also kind of exploited him. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, you know, take me here, take me there, carry this stuff. I also thought she, I mean, maybe this is just like the way it is when you travel now and like constantly worrying about pickpockets oh and my stuff. God. But I was like, her luggage would have gotten stolen like 10 times over in this oh my movie. Gosh. I literally wrote my myself wrote a note that said I keep worrying someone is going to pickpocket her. And also, I was like, get this woman a bag that she can put all her stuff in. Like, why is she? She's like, she's got her her like guidebook out and her camera out and her like I don't even know what else. And she has a purse. I'm like, I don't. Is it just the 1950s where we don't carry bags that like can carry all the stuff in it? Or like. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, pre-women's lib when we got tote bags. And, um, but yeah, she, I mean, she looked so obviously like a tourist. Like she had that camera yeah. and the guidebook and she was like fumbling and always seemed lost. And 
uh, and, yeah, and just like handed did. the stuff to Moro and was like, "I'm hey, hold this. I'm going over here." And I was like, "If I was Moro, I'd walk, like turn around and walk away and try to sell that stuff to like some other unsuspecting American from Akron, Ohio." <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, he definitely would have stolen that stuff in real life. Yeah. <laughs> what it came down to. And yeah, what was, I wonder what his actual life was. Yeah. Like, where did, where did he sleep? What, what happened to him? Yeah. I mean, I have this vague memory that he, like, referred to, like, how he, like, the street was his home or something like that. But, you know, he was, seemed like an unreliable narrator. So maybe yeah. not true. Um, I also wanted to just talk about how I thought that, the costumes were disappointing yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Considering that she was in Italy, and I don't know if it was on purpose, supposed to kind of make her look dowdy, mm-hmm. but the colors were very bland, mm-hmm. and I just, like, she almost stuck out as looking unglamorous. I mean, the only time she really looked great was when she did that shopping spree and, like, got that black dress to to go out and get humiliated in. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but the rest of it, I didn't think looked very good. And, um, you know, a lot of the extras and of course the Signora had very nice clothes. So, yeah, I do think that that's just, that was part of the character is that she, you know, she's a, a teacher secretary or whatever from Ohio. You know, she's not going to have the glamorous clothes, you know, and probably would wear the same thing. Although, like, she had all of this luggage. I was like, why are you wearing the same thing over and over again? Like, if you're going to wear the same thing over and over again, only bring one suitcase or whatever. I I thought the, like, the dress that she bought herself was, like, a highly unlikely. Like, why, why would she buy this, like, gorgeous strapless number all of a sudden and feel confident in it? Yeah, I feel like that specific plot point has been done in so many movies where, like, there's a some sort of scorned woman is in Italy, and then she like is like I'm gonna treat myself and get some kind of glamorous Italian fashion number, and yeah. then goes out. Um, so and I don't know if very unsensible w- shoes. <laughs> yes, exactly for cobblestone streets and standing in boats. Yeah, <laughs> I just am glad that if whenever I go to Italy, it's gonna be you know in in the present where I can wear hiking boots and uh, <laughs> and a backpack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still remember when I was in Rome for the first time. I must have been there in like March or something. It was really warm, but everyone was wearing like big, heavy, like puffer coats. Oh my gosh. And then someone had to explain to me that in Italy, people don't dress for the temperature, they dress for the season. Oh. So, like, it doesn't actually matter. <laughs> so, like, if it's winter. And it's a warm day. You don't wear cooler clothes. You just still wear a coat because it's winter. And I was like, what? It doesn't make any sense. Um, No, it doesn't. But I don't think you're making like practical fashion choices. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, did you think this movie had sort of like an anti-American bent? Because the American tourists were awful (laughs) in this movie. Listen, those American tourists were from that couple was from Kankakee, Illinois. I don't know if it was anti-American. I thought it was probably a part of me thinks it was anti-Midwestern because they were like (laughs) Kankakee and like Ohio and um, Illinois. And I was like, part of me was like, listen, these people could have been from South Carolina. They could have been from Idaho. (laughs) They could have been from Philadelphia. Like they, it's, 
I don't know, Hill. <laughs> did you feel personally attacked by this I did feel a little bit personally attacked. Although it did ring true because when I like, I don't, I don't know if it's the Midwesternness or just the Americanness or whatever. But when I studied abroad in France in high school, like there was a moment where my host sister was like, "You cannot dress the way that you are dressed right now. You cannot." And I had to like get totally new clothes. Um, really? In order to, yeah, I mean, like, and by totally new clothes, I mean, like, I had to, like, buy, like, I went there wearing, like, a, like, a yellow, like, puff coat and sneakers and, like, you know, khaki pants or whatever, and, like, had to get, like, a black coat and black pants and black shoes, you know, you had to just, like, switch whatever, like. Just like you were in mourning all the time? Right. Like, I didn't know. My parents didn't know because my parents didn't, like, live in. France didn't have, but I don't know that, I don't think it was, like, particularly Midwestern not knowing. It was just, like, an Americanness. So, yes, I was, like, one of these people could have been from Kentucky or, like, I don't know, the state of Washington. <laughs> they both <laughs> didn't have to be from the Midwest. Well, that is true. Like, when I've been in Europe, you could, if you ever see anyone in a hoodie, mm-hmm. it's almost always an American. Yeah. Or, you know, sneakers that are, you know, not, like... Air Jordans or something, but like just like regular ratty sneakers. Like no. That's... Yeah, there's American sneakers and then there's European sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it was. I mean, maybe it was a little bit anti Midwestern. I'm not sure. Although, like, I think we were supposed to be sympathetic to her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. Well, should we talk about social justice? Yeah. Where do you think it shows up? Um, do you think it shows up? I don't I don't know so much that it does. I mean, I think the Morrow character kind of represented that there was another side to Venice that wasn't just like this glamorous, beautiful old city, but that like I'm sure there was a lot of hidden poverty there, but they didn't really explore it. So, yeah. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I think it did say a little bit of something about class because she did indicate that, like, you know, she had a professional job, but it took her years to do this. And this was obviously something she had longed to do, like travel and gain more experience. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't easy for her to do. So that, you know, who has access and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. Although, like, it's uh, a trip to... Europe. So, like, is that, like, is being able to travel, like, freely to another continent, is that, like, the definition of, like, is that part of the definition of, like, economic success, or is that really still a luxury? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing with that other American couple that were so tacky and, like, (laughs) using anti-Italian slurs. Uh (laughs) It was, like... Because I think it was saying something, too, about, like, they were doing a whole Mm -hmm. tour of Europe. They'd been to all these different places. Mm -hmm. But it was like they were just sort of checking off boxes. And I felt like there was sort of, um, there was some sort of indication about, like, class. Like, having money doesn't necessarily mean that you're, like, a classy person. (laughs) Yeah. um, Although, weren't they, he had just retired, Day and it was like they had never traveled anywhere and so that was, was like their big trip it's kind of a and it, I didn't read them as having money I read them as like 
you know, they finally had an opportunity to travel. So they were, like you said, like checking off the boxes and being American about hitting yeah. all the major places. That That's an attitude that still irritates me. That's just like, oh, I have to like hit all of these cities. And you spend like a couple days in each and mm-hmm. don't really experience it at all. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I would much rather visit fewer places and like stay a while and um, like get to know it than just be like, well, I hit the Louvre and now I'm going to Berlin to see Checkpoint Charlie or like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there were, she got a lot of flack at the beginning of the film for not staying at a fancy hotel. Like Italians were like, oh, you're staying at this like random place. But you know, I was like, that sounds like a perfect vacation to like go to like a city, like one city, get a room in a like a nice but you know not expensive place like on some back alley in the city and like get to know the neighborhood and like walk walk around and like you know spend your time getting to know that particular place and that sounded perfect yeah I agree I would have totally done that I thought that pension looked so cool I (laughs) I would have loved to stay there I'll stay there I've been living my own life making my own decisions for a long while now it's impossible to go back to being treated like a child again. Well, so what about Bechtel? Because I think the movie has a lot more to say about mm-hmm. gender. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, like, she, Jane talks to the, I can't think of the artist's, oh, Phil, um, art, the artist's wife or girlfriend or whatever. They talk about, um, they talk about men. I think she talks to Signorina Fiorini about more than just... Yeah, I mean, they talk about her trip and what she does. So I think it passes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if the perspective of the movie was trying to say certain things, but it it felt like a lot of it was about, you know, these are the options available to women Mm -hmm. at this time. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to decide if you're going to you're going to take what you can get or not. And, you know, compromise on things that you believe in. Yeah. Or not. To the, and like, and, and if you don't compromise, then you run the risk of not being happy. You'll have your values and your ideals, I guess. Yeah. And I definitely felt like the men had more power mm-hmm. and they were not limited in the same. They were making d- the decisions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then it was like, take it or leave it, ladies. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I don't know. It didn't feel, like, anti-feminist to me, but it also didn't feel feminist. (laughs) So I guess just neutral. It was just making observations. Yeah, it was... I mean, I feel like it could have said more about, like, a woman's options. It could have had more of a point of view. Instead, it was more like, well, yeah, the men men make the decisions and don't necessarily inform the women. Um, or like, there's not, it's not a, it's not a conversation. (laughs) And even the way that he talks to Jane is like, you're so naive. You're like a child. Yeah. Um, Like this woman is 45 years old at least. So, you know, back off. (laughs) I mean, there was definitely like a belittling of her Mm -hmm. for being upset that she didn't have all the information. I was like, this is pretty messed up. (laughs) Yeah, and so I guess I would say, like, that reads kind of anti-feminist to me. Like, anti, like, women's empowerment. Yeah, and she accepted that and, like, came... I mean, it was unclear if she actually agreed with him or she just kind of knew 
the shortcomings of the possibility and like accepted them and was just okay with it. Or if she was like, he's right. Like who cares that he's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I was hoping she went in more of like a Mary and the librarian direction. It was just kind of like, I'm like, I'm going in with my eyes open and I'm okay with it. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I kept thinking of her character during this movie. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because Marion Librarian is definitely the, like, the feminist version of this character that's, like, I get what, I get that this is not going to be fair, but I have, like, you know, I'm, like, I'm not going to have this forever love, but, like, at least I've learned something from the situation and I've, like, I'm, yeah, going in with my eyes open. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what what we would like for you, Jane. <laughs> uh, so what rating would you give it? I would probably give it a two and a half because it made me want to go to Italy. And it made me like feel for Jane's character. It also made me really value uh, mental health um, <laughs> care. But I think like I had, you know, I was like, you know, this makes me feel bad for her in ways that make me like made the movie less enjoyable (laughs) so (laughs) yeah what about you I would give it a three I think I would probably watch it again um it it was the kind of movie that made me feel like I had been somewhere Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like it Mm -hmm. it was a good summer movie like Mm -hmm. I was like Mm -hmm. oh Italian vacation. Yeah. And I do think that the questions that it's focused on are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like my favorite Catherine. I like my Catherine Hepburn roles like more defiant. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, so that's, that's what I would give it. Um, what's our next movie? I think our next movie is To Have and Have Not, which is our first Lauren Bacall movie. <gasps> Oh, oh, I'm very excited for that. (laughs) Speaking of strong women. Exactly. (laughs) May it please the court, I submit that my entire line of defense is based on the proposition that persons of the female sex should be dealt with before the law as the equals of persons of the male sex. Follow the Screen Sirens on Twitter at the Screen Sirens. And leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud to help other people find us. Thanks for listening. After all, tomorrow is another day.